You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey everyone, what's going on? It's Al McManus here from Ask For Entertainment. Merry Christmas to you all. I hope you enjoy this Christmas morning episode, a very special episode with our friend. Remember that we have some uh, merchandise sales still going on through the end of the year, some good, uh, some good discounts for you guys. So check it out and enjoy the episode. Happy holidays, happy new year. everyone it's december 17th welcome to making waves the shiprock podcast my name is justin and i'm chad tonight's a very uh special edition of uh, shiprock a little abbreviated but we are stoked and very honored to have tonight our guest uh david elfison from megadeth and his own project elson and uh god altitude and attitudes just all kinds of stuff going on uh dave welcome thank you so much for your time thank you Justin. good good to be back aboard the cruise one more time yes sir thank you so much um <laughs> really quick to begin with prolific would be a good word to use to define you um you've got so much going on right now obviously the the no cover album you, you just recently put out and toured um which is interesting we definitely want to hear about this tour during such an interesting yeah. time in our lives <laughs> uh you've got that going on obviously you the, the, the thing now is you've you've got the book with the, the yep. rockstar hitman yeah um going on obviously you've you've got the ellison films Thing happening for you you've got emp record label the coffee company i mean you've got so much going on dave where do you find the time see i got the inside scoop that covid was coming you know five years ago so i figured i had they gave me five-year warning get your act together you you're gonna make me fly over here off. yeah so <laughs> insider trading uh <laughs> i bought some pfizer stock and everything i'm good to go <laughs> um but yeah it's um you know it 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 is a it's funny you know um as you know as i tell the story 2002 megadeth had disbanded for a season and it's that fearful frightening moments where i i was in my guess mid late 30s had a young family um you know, kind of the most expensive part of your life, you know, when you're doing yeah. that phase and um, the insanity that my entire life was funded and based on, on a rock band. Um, and as big as we were and as popular as we were, and we had a big, you know, big career and everything, you know, it, when that comes to an end, it, it, it's sort of like, a you know, planes have a glide helicopters land very quickly, right? <laughs> they they yeah. land like a brick. And when rock bands stop, they land like a brick. You know, they, they fall out of the sky quick. And, uh, and most don't survive. Um, and so I, I, um, I quickly 
uh, I called everybody I knew, um, my friends at Roadrunner Records and managers and everybody in the world. And I go, oh my God, like the day has come. And, and that was a moment that I don't ever want to experience that ever again. Um, and it was my own, my own doing, cause you know, we I had all my eggs in one basket. Um, and so since then, so the last 20 years, I've really, I've expanded, you know, I ran artist relations for PV electronics. I, some new bands came together during that decade of the two thousands. So I kind of learned how younger artists were playing. And, uh, of course you've, you know, invited me to be on ship rocked a bunch of times. So that's always kind of kept me in touch with younger uh, yeah. artists, different genres outside of thrash metal and things that I'm kind of known for. And, um, you know, so when I came back to Megadeth in 2010, um, I came back a very different guy, you know, uh, more seasoned, kind of a way more of on my own two feet. Um, and I think I came back in a position of strength for that. And, and, um, as you've seen, I've managed some groups. We had Dalskin on the cruise yeah. like that. And, and that's actually in 2015, that's where the label started was, uh, you know, um, maybe some of the listeners, uh, you know, I, I don't get hired by labels to go produce things. I find artists that I find compelling that I like, and I take them in the studio and I sort of do it on my own dime and I do it, I spec them. Um, and then once you're done recording and you're all excited, you're like, yay. And then you come up out of the rabbit hole and you go, Oh shoot. Now I got to go around the industry with my tin cup out begging for a record deal, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so I hate that. It's just, and so when we started the, the record label, EMP Label Group, which is just an acronym for Ellison Music Production, um, <clears throat> when we did that, I designed it so that I'd have a home for the places and the things that I produced to, to go. And, um, and then we just started signing other, all of a sudden people came out of the woodwork, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with other things that they had that they wanted to, you know, um, Mark Slaughter, Doyle, <clears throat> people had other records they wanted to put out, so we started putting them out for them. Yeah, one of the one one of the really impressive things that just real quick with the label uh, is when you the big news obviously is when Combat came in as an imprint with you guys, and just obviously your first record as Megadeth was out to them, and it's just a classic '80s thrash hardcore iconic, and to have then to, to see it come to a home of someone who is really part of the origin of that was it was just a really welcome relief to see someone is in good hands this iconic labels in great hands yeah you know it's funny because <clears throat> excuse me i'm coughing here <clears throat> i've been i've been talking a lot doing a lot of press <laughs> this book and this this album yeah. um <clears throat> i realized playing music is the smallest thing i do i talk more than i play now there's uh but um <clears throat> it's funny tom hazard who's has been my partner with uh coffee company and the record label and stuff. <clears throat> um, and he had put together labels before. So he helped me do that. One day he calls me and he says, Hey, <clears throat> I think we can acquire and relaunch combat records. And <clears throat> you got to realize me and Dave Mustaine, we did not have the best <laughs> relationship with combat records back in the day. Sure. You know, we were, we were, I always say combat is the house that Megadeth built. You know, once we, we put out killing is my business, <clears throat> you know, we got, I think $8,000, um, oh had no God. money. For wow. Support. Yeah. 8,000 bucks. Wow. And, uh, and studios in LA are expensive, you know, <laughs> big rooms at 1200 a day. And, yeah. You know, that money goes quick. Right. So <clears throat> one week into it, we spent the money, you know? So, um, <clears throat> we, um, we're out on the road, <clears throat> uh, Megadeth Exciter, 
um, Canadian band, also in combat. <clears throat> Me and Dave called the label and said, look, we are broke as broke. In fact, there's some fans, some girls who were kind enough to go to the store and buy us a hibachi and some hamburgers and beer. And we're sitting in a Motel 6 in Kansas City. And we are broke. Can you send us some money? And they told us, you guys need to go home and get jobs. We're like, what? You know, and that, you know, there's these moments in rock and roll. And I always say the best rock and roll is when you've got something to fight against and, you know, someone to fight at. And that was one of those defining moments. Of course, Dave coming out of Metallica, that was one (laughs) for him. Uh, Here we are with Megadeth um, fighting with our record label going, screw those guys. And, you know, we just sucked it up. And, um, you know, my dad gave me a credit card when I left Minnesota um, that I think only had, you know, like a $750 credit limit on it. So somehow we put $5,000 worth of stuff on that credit card. And that basically funded the killing is my business tour. Um, and, um, then I had to drive home and explain to my dad why the credit card bill was so high. And like, you know, can you help us out? <laughs> you know, you never ask up front because the answer is no. So it's it better yeah. to beg forgiveness, right? Than ask permission. It's funny to wisdom. hear that story and the, and the, the small $8,000 and you realize what that album means to thrash and speed metal and everything at this, at this it's, right. it's, 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 it's the, it's like the black Sabbath debut kind of story. <laughs> it, um, it is. It's funny. I've been telling Dave that cause I, you know, like I, I do a lot of these, so I'm kind of in touch with sort of the groundswell with the fans. And, and I, I, people say that I keep saying, goes, you know, it's funny, Dave, that is, that has become like this, this cult class, this sleeper cult classic, you know, that people want to hear songs from all the time. And, and sure. me, they were like, what that album? Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, look, the Apple iPhone commercial last year was last rights, love to death song <laughs> on side, a album one. So somebody inside of Apple was obviously a deep cuts. Fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, 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 that, that, that age range now is the one making decisions at a corporate level. Yeah, the money we made off that iPhone commercial more than paid for the album and the tour. Believe me, <laughs> I'm paying you back, Dad. I'm paying so you me back. And Dave were finally able to make get whole on that on that tour. Yeah, exactly. Finally paid my well, dad. Back for that speaking grade. of records, let's just talk about the Ellison no cover record. This thing mm-hmm. is. We were just before you got on. We were talking about this thing and how my favorite part about it is that the it's such a deep cut record. Mm-hmm. It's not what you'd expect. The obvious is hearing mm-hmm. down by Cheap Trick. Yeah, mind blowing. And, you know, Chip's Enough uh, brought that into us. Tom hit him and asked him, said, hey, why don't you bring it in? And Chip can be a one-man cheap trick band in and of himself, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, But, yeah, you know, it's so funny. Before I got on the call, a friend of mine today, I happened to run into him. He says, man, he goes, "Uh, you know, I know so you covered, you know, Wasted on No Cover. And he said, man, have you ever seen that uh, Def Leppard, The Early Years, I think it's called? Um, So I went on iTunes and I actually just downloaded it. And oh my God, that's, that's the Def Leppard. I know, you know, Pete Willis, you know, whose guitar is bigger than him. And he's just got this, you know, he's just such a killer lead player and just their look, you know, I forget how, you know, Tom Peterson from cheap trick and Rick Savage from Def Leppard are a couple of the really influential bass players for me and not from chops and licks, but they just freaking look cool. They look like rock stars. You know, they got yeah. great air, they sing cool, they stand cool. They play cool basses. I mean, that's part of it, you know, because you know, these songs in this record for me, I mean, these are things like sweet and BTO and kiss. I mean, I was like 10, 11, 12 years old when I heard these things and they changed my life. And I, I was already a musician, I played piano and I played saxophone in the little, you know, orchestra band. 
But when I saw these guys and I saw their albums and I would see them on Don Kirshner's rock concerts and, uh, you know, um, Midnight Special, Wolfman Jack. Yeah. I mean, that that the bass made me want to be a rock star. You know, and that's what I think these songs on this record represent for me. I mean, you have some amazing players. Real quick, I'm just going to mention something that's tied into Shiprock. So one of your singers, Jason McMaster. Jason's mm -hmm. a longtime guy. Jason's voice was the first voice that was ever heard on a Shiprock cruise when Broken Teeth wow. were the first band to basically launch us on our first sailing. And the first words, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone, he goes... And there's a lot of half, there's a, there's a half ship, so a lot of blue hairs on it. They go, hey, welcome to Shiprock, motherfuckers. And then they kick in. I'm thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> so to, to see Jason leading off the album with you guys yeah. on this, I was like, wow, what a tie-in. So, But it's great. I, I know Chad has some things to talk to you about on this record. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's, like Justin said, it's amazing. And uh, one of the things I was really interested about uh, finding out is whose idea was the Post Malone cover? It's incredible and it was a really nice it was a really nice piece inside of that you know collection. funny that was actually tom hazard's idea he hit me one day a couple years ago i was here in scottsdale and i'm driving um not even that long ago maybe a year and a half ago and he said he goes hey have you heard of this guy post malone and i was like i i think so i think i've made my daughter listen to him or something and and, and he says he goes dude he's got more <laughs> songs in the top 10 than like the beatles and he yep. said plus he's got a megadeth tattoo on his elbow like, no way. And he goes, dude, let's hit him on Twitter. So we sent him a message off my Twitter and he hit right back. He goes, oh my God, how are you? Big fan. Da, da, da. So we started this sort of, you know, bromance, you know, fanboyism <laughs> between the two of us. And then we got to know him, got to know his dad. Um, and uh, when me and Frank Bello were on tour, actually, we just played Shiprocked. And yeah. then we went right over to tour with Slash last year, 2019. Um, and, uh, I stayed behind in, in Stockholm to go see post and we hung out and I was backstage with him and he's doing beer pong and he is the beer pong champion, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was funny, I guess it was late last year. So late two, so fast forward a few months, um, me and Tom are on tour supporting, we'd put out, a um, our first Ellison solo record, sleeping giants. And, uh, we're driving around, I think Italy or Switzerland or something on this tour. And he says, he goes, Hey, uh, he was kind of sheepish. He goes, hey, um, what do you think about uh, maybe doing a Post Malone cover? You know, and I knew he was a big fan. You know, I said, I said, I said, you know, actually, that's a pretty cool idea. And the reason I liked it, <clears throat> aside from I really do like Post's sound, I think he's just got an incredible sound, um, is there was a band, and you guys may even know who it, this was, like when the, the a Taylor Swift record came out, a big one, a and some uh, some young band who probably would have played ship rock came out and covered it like like that same week or something. I prevailed. Yeah. It was that who it was is I prevailed. And yeah. I was like from here in Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that is a great idea to cover an immediately successful song. And so when Tom brought it up, I thought, you know what? I like that idea. That's funny that it's I prevail. I did not know that. And so um I thought, you know, that's pretty cool to take a current song. And keep it current, but bring it over to a metal audience who probably doesn't know Post Malone at all and probably doesn't buy his records. Sure. So unlike No Cover, which is maybe more typical where we dig back into our childhood record collection and we like Sabbath, Sex Pistols, we bring these songs forward into current day. Over Now is taking a current artist, like a really current artist, and basically Michael Jackson of the yeah. modern day and just yeah. bringing him right over into heavy metal. And... Um, <laughs> 
And I, I thought it was a pretty clever, uh, you know, idea uh, and timing. And, you know, it's funny, you know, we told Post, we said, hey, listen, you know, we can be your metal backing band if you wanted to make it on metal. Just let us sure. know. We're plugging Was the plug. We're ready. Stoked? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <like>, really? <laughs> I mean, you the thing the that Post, yeah, I mean, Post is a huge metalhead. So to be on, you have a song on your record and then done, had done the Aussie album last year. I mean, he's right. already minted now at this yeah, point. Yeah, it was, it was, it was actually good timing, wasn't it? And what's nice is Tommy Lee was a co-writer on that track on Over Now. Um, oh, geez, Louise. And, and it's funny, la this last year as everything shut down, uh, we were, my Ellison solo band, we were already scheduled to go to Australia and uh, Japan with uh, Chris Poland, who's a uh, former Megadeth guitar player. And so we'd already planned on releasing our first, or an, another original tune called Simple Truth, which we put out in uh, April. And then uh, we, we're, the next plan was to drop the, the Post Malone song in May. So we just stayed the course with it, even though things were shut down and the tour has been pushed back, you know, till 2021. We said, you know what? Screw it. People need music. Let's just, they're done. They're mastered. They're ready to go. And let's just drop them and put them out. So we, so, so we had Bumblefoot on, on uh, last week with us and he told us about the tour. Yeah, what did he say? <laughs> he said it was. He said it was great. It, it, it was. It felt good to go out and play live. But he said it was super interesting to, with the crowd setup. Yeah. Well, he so wore. What, his, what are your uh, thoughts on that? He had his Ellison mask on the whole time. Yes, yes, yeah, which, yes, and he was wearing that. Well, and it's funny because he and I talked about it. Because I asked him, I said, "You masking up?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, and he goes, and I think it sends a good message. And I said, "I absolutely." I said that as much as anything because here we are. No, we had these dates booked for a couple months. We first we mm -hmm. went to Texas and Louisiana with saliva. We did these sort of pop up uh, outdoor festivals, and that was pretty comfortable because it's outdoor. Um, trickier one was the then a week later we go through the Midwest, and I mean we're playing Chicago the night the governor is shutting down the state of Illinois. You know, so we made a conscious decision. It's like you know normally you'd be all over your Instagram or whatever. Hey, come and see us tonight. All yeah. of a sudden we're like dark you know like don't come out don't come to the show you know yeah. anti-promoting you know and nothing to see here yeah nothing yeah yeah don't <laughs> pay no attention to the band on the stage with the I, fig I figured maybe you guys would have got grandfathered in for that one show <laughs> <laughs> well, look we did it and it's funny because like the place was packed i mean there were so many people and funny they all masked up <clears throat> um the next night in green bay Pretty full house, no masks. I mean, you're like, uh, you guys do watch the news, right? Like, you know, it's very Green Bay, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> we masked up. We're like, we're masking up, and we're keeping our distance at the merch booth. So, you know, like we we followed the, like I said, it's the one moment in, in history when rock and roll has to play by the rules, too. You know, yeah. and and we did. Um, but we got home. Everybody got tested. Nobody got sick. Thank goodness. And I didn't hear of anybody else in these you know, from the shows getting sick either. So I think it was one of those, thank you, Lord. We appreciate letting us go do that. <laughs> yeah, but definitely that's one of a handful of bands that went out and did it. So, you know, <sighs> that's going to definitely be remembered for you guys. Yeah. Um, so the book, yeah. what you have been, you've been itching to write this for a long time. Or it's been sitting in your mind. What's what's, well, can you funny. please explain so, this book to some folks? Well, it's fine. The cover, our guy Sledge is actually Vinnie, Dombowski from uh, Sponge. That's another actually, Detroit dude. <laughs> yes, he actually was kind enough to lend us an image of him that we could create into our character. And uh, so and, cool. And, and Vin and I and Mike Heller from uh, Fear Factory, and uh, and Drew, my co-writer here, who has uh, played guitar and bang tango for a 
a second or two. Um, they had started writing some tunes and, you know, pulled me into it. And we, so we kind of have a bit of a soundtrack um, for this book, um, for the book series. Now, it's the Sledge Chronicles, so it's a series of books, and this is the first one. Um, okay. And, um, you know, it's, I've always wanted to write fiction, to answer your question. Um, the story came to me literally a year ago. I was in South America in, in Brazil on a solo tour. And a friend of mine called me up and he said, where are you at? I said, I'm down in Brazil. And he said, he goes, he goes, you know, we all think you're this rock star, but I'm kind of wondering if you don't work for the CIA and you've got like out doing hits and taking people out, and, you know, like being Jason Bourne on the side, you know? And I said, dude, that's a freaking great idea for a book. And that was it. And I mean, it just, it came to me and I just, I'll never forget the moment. I'm like, dude, thank you. And that's why I had to thank him in the book, you know, um, he doesn't get any royalties, but I thanked him. Would you mind telling people the premise, the premise sure. of the story? So the book's called Rockstar Hitman. And to the story I just said there, um, you can be somewhat autobiographical in, in ways with fiction. Um, and I liken it to like John Grisham was a lawyer and then mm -hmm. became an author. And man, his stories all have sort of a legally sort of law background. Well, these have a rock and roll background in a similar sense. Um, Drew and I both, you know, obviously have experience as rock and rollers. Not so much experience as hitmen, fortunately. Uh, so that's where the fiction comes in, of course. Um, and all Nate's, you know, names and places have been um, changed to protect the guilty, I guess. But, uh, um, you know, it, it's kind of, it, it starts a little bit autobiographical. Kid like me, small town stars in his eyes, you know, wants to go be a rock star um, and gets sort of, you know, scooped up by an agency out in Los Angeles. Um, quick here, sign your record deal. You're off to the big time. So, of course, signs it without reading it. And uh, there's a sub paragraph, as every contract is, including that combat records contract and all the ones that I've, you know, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, only $8,000? Wait, really? I didn't read that. <laughs> Read your contract. Uh, so, um, so he signs a contract and, you know, sub paragraph, you know, 34B says, oh, by the way, you know, part of this is, you're, you know, you work for the agency, right? And uh, we've got some other work that you're going to be doing while you're traveling the world. Like, we're going to make you a star. You're going to get to live your dream, but you're going to have a day job while you're out there. So it's interesting. His world touring becomes a platform for the agency to go snuff out some bad guys. And so it's interesting because at first he's doing this dirty work and, um, and he's kind of, you know, feeling kind of crappy about it. And then he realizes the guys he's snuffing are like, you know, they're bad guys. So he's kind of like, should I feel good about killing these bad guys? Maybe this is a good thing. You know what I mean? And sort of, yeah. so it's kind of, we, we drew the parallel of selling your soul and having to go do this dirty work to the parallels of selling your soul in rock and roll where you're away from home, you've signed this agreement, you've taken the money, now you got to pay back the advance, you're away from your family and friends, you can't keep a girlfriend, you know, all of the sort of life stories. So we, we really tried to parallel the, the uh, and, and, and it's, it's somewhat humorous. Our character Sledge is, is it, it's, there's, some, there's funny moments in it. And um, so it's, and, I, and I'm, I'm already well into book two, so, uh, which is the next tour. So it's, it's we've got a nice 
chronological series going on. I, I love the idea that you guys are routing a tour behind who you have to assess. Yes. <laughs> it's genius, man. I, like if, if you don't end up pitching this like a showtime, I, I just saw, I saw the visuals yeah. being on that, yeah. on that side as well. Yeah. It's like, Oh wow. Well, it's interesting because Drew also, he came to us to me and Tom about this film that he has called dwellers, which is kind of in these sort of found footage Blair witch genre. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to, it's going to roll out at the mad monster horror con in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina on uh, february 20th we're going to premiere it there so you know drew's got a he's got a twisted demented sick little mind and and so when he started when he brought that film to us i'm like dude that is a cool idea um and so when i started writing this i started lining the characters and the storyline out and I'm, I'm pretty good at that the developing that and then all of a sudden it came i said hey man i need Here's the idea. And he wrote back to me. Uh, there's a sample chapter that we just pushed out. Um, I think that uh, some of the news sites picked up today. And uh, that was the first thing Drew sent me. And I just went, dude, that is freaking awesome, man. I mean, that is exactly the twisted, sick mind. And, and so we really, you know, just like when you're in a band and you collaborate, you become one voice. I feel like Drew and I have that as authors and as writers of, of this, of this narrative, this story of, yeah. um, of the rock star hit, man, we become one voice. Like you never know who wrote what, you know? Yeah. That's uh, so bitching. I didn't care if Gene or Paul wrote it. it. To me, it was all kiss, you know? And so I think a book needs to be the same way, especially when it's collaborating. I think Drew and I really, we really found a sweet spot there. Well, you're definitely no uh, stranger to writing. Obviously, you have the the two autobiographies, My, My Life with Death and More Life with Death. So, yeah, this kind of just, it's time to move on to like some other narrative, I suppose. Yeah, so. I'm tired of telling my story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure there's a third in there somewhere coming well, up soon. Well, it, it's, it's, yeah, my, my life after death. Yeah, I guess after I retire, <laughs> it's, it's, after the band breaks. Perfect. So my life with death, more life with death, my life after death, you know? Perfect, perfect. Yeah, the trilogy, the death trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's, it's, it, it's great to uh to do that because you know one of the things that's with you know i think when you're writing your own memoir and you're writing a nonfiction like that you know look i believe me i've i've lived this life you know again not the hitman part but i've well killing is my business tour i guess that would fall kind of under all that. kind of ties in, <laughs> kind of ties in. <laughs> this really is the killing is my business tour right here that really is it um but you know with the you know and, and of course when you're writing these books there's some things you know that you go okay i can't tell that story like someone's gonna go to jail or i'm you know my wife will hate me my kids will disown like i just you know some some things even in rock and roll with memoirs are just off limits but i do find that when you're writing fiction hey you know the sky's the limit you can really go there um and you know even and maybe in maybe in a story like this, because you know, again, I've sort of lived the rock and roll life. You can sort of borrow <laughs> from little components of of maybe even a life that that I've lived or I've seen other people live. So the I think the uh, potential where you take the story is almost limitless, and I love that about fiction. And I'm I, I read a lot of fiction. Um, you know, I, I used to just buy a lot of records and listen to records, and then I formed a band and. Now I read a lot of books, I buy books, and I became an author. So it's sort of the same path. I got a question for you, just out of pure curiosity. Um, As far as fiction authors go, or authors in general, if you had only one hour to sit down with one author in the whole entire, living or dead, uh, to talk about either their books or their lives, who would it be? Hmm. 
I would say I would probably sit down with Lee Child, who writes the Jack Reacher stories, um, because, you know, he's got this sort of international reach. um, And um, I'm told he I I think I've read he likes to be a little under the influence when he writes, which, you know, is like I used to be when I used to write songs (laughs) years ago, you know, (laughs) you know, Mr. Brownstone, you know, (laughs) whatever that may be, (laughs) you know, and, um, so, so, uh, but I, I, cause I, I like his, uh, I like the character. I like his stories. I like that. Um, you know, it's this, there's a likability to the, to his character, the, the Jack Reacher guy. Uh, and of course, since Tom Cruise played him, I think now, at least as, as probably Americans, we have sort of an American actor as a face. We sort of put a, an identity to it. So it's funny, like you were saying, like, even with this, with my, our book being some type of a screenplay movie, as soon as you put a, a character to it, um, I think now it becomes, there becomes a relatability, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I picked that up from Lee Child's writing right away. I, I, I re- there's a likability yet a badass always wins. Um, and you know, I just, I, I like his style of how he writes. That's a good one. It's like a regular, yeah. uh, Jean-Claude and bad damn. Yeah, Dave. We we just have you for a few more minutes, so we we definitely like to ask you a question. Now that we're in the Christmas season, is 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 Christmas? What does what does Christmas mean to you? If you don't mind with us asking, you know, I come back to the whole point of it is we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. Whether you believe that or not, whether that's what you celebrate, that is why we celebrate it. I mean, it was important enough that we actually changed the calendar from BC to AD, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good I point. Mean, again, regardless of your religious beliefs or not, and whether you think that story is, again, maybe that's a piece of fiction, I don't know. But, you know, none of us were there, so we don't know. Um, but that is the purpose of it. Um, and it's funny, um, a fan hit me on cameo yesterday and they were kind of bumming out and stressing. And, and I, and it just came to me. It was like, Hey, remember that's what this isn't about. I got to buy a bunch of presents. Uh, people say, Oh, it's all about family. Well, it's not really. It's about, it's a birthday party for a dude. Um, Jesus Cristo, right? That's the guy. That we're- it's a birthday party for a dude. Right? right? I mean, that's the guy. That's what they just say in the calendar right there. Yeah, right. A Jesus, birthday party yeah. for a dude. That's a t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. Yeah. Night party before for birthday dude, party bro. for a dude. <laughs> so, you know, to me, it's like, hey, take the stress off. You know what I mean? If you don't have the money, put the credit card away. You know, this year we can't have people over. No, no problem. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a party for a dude. Like, that's what yeah. we're doing. So, so, he's uh, got the whole world in his hands. He's, yeah. he's fine. <laughs> I mean, look, I grew up a Lutheran kid, so I grew up a, a, a Christian guy. And I was thinking, like, if the Christians are so big on honesty, why did they lie to us about the Easter Bunny and Santa? That's like a real heartbreak when you find out that those <laughs> aren't real, you know? And, of course, I had to do it with my own kids. You know, my wife and my dad are like, should we, should we really start this lie? Because then we're going to break their heart at 10. Hey, by the way, there is no Santa, you know? But And, of course, there's a whole story to St. Nicholas and, you know, the, the history of that, which sure. has, you know, kind of gotten commercialized, you know? But, um, yeah, sell I mean, them, Yeah, sell them yeah. on Krampus. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, so anyway, to me, to me, that's what it is. And and for okay. me, I quite honestly, I think it takes a lot of the pressure off and it's just sort of kick back, enjoy the day. Um, if you're religious, celebrate that. If you're not, don't sweat it. And, um, you know, it's, uh, kind of go with that is my thought on it. 
Yeah. Hey, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you, uh, what's the latest on Megadeth? Yeah. Um, so new album is being recorded kind of almost fully written. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's one of these albums that sort of, we recorded as we're writing it. Um, and, uh, we started, what did we started 2018, uh, got really deep into it last year, 2019. Um, and, um, although we were set to, start tracking it back in March. We, we, we had to push it back a couple of months. We got uh, underway uh, with the basic tracks in May, uh, May and June. So, yeah, I mean, it's, we've got a, a schedule for it, um, you know, to come out next year, we've got dates uh, on the, on the calendar. And of course, hopefully the vaccine's working. It kicks in, things open up as scheduled. Um, and then I, you know, the plan is, is new music will start to drop around uh, the touring for next year. So the fact, quite honestly, that we had this year sort of the calendar wipe clean wasn't the end of the world, quite honestly, for Megadeth. In fact, in some way, I think it kind of opened up some time for us to, to you know, dig in and, and, and get into the album. Um, otherwise, we would have been sort of piecemealing it between tour legs. You know, we had the metal tour of the year. Um, yeah. you know, all this stuff. So the fact that that got pushed back in a lot of ways, I think it, it, it sort of cleared our minds to, to get the record done. Now. Okay. Positive guy. Yeah. Hey, Chad, <laughs> do you have anything, uh, anything left uh, to ask, to ask Dave? Tons of stuff, but, uh, tonight, yeah. tonight we'll, uh, we'll just think about celebrating. Yeah, look, I got a few a more, guy. like we're here now. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's I mean, talk. Not, you know, yeah. Well, public, you, you, I read that you, you've done um, some like lecturing, right? Uh, yeah, and I was right. wondering in which capacity, uh, if we're talking about university or we're talking about, I mean, just talking to you for a half hour, you're clearly yeah. a glass half full type of human yeah. and you have a lot of ambition and you have, you know, just in yeah. general, a better outlook than I think majority of people do. So in, in, in what cases do you use that skill of yours, <clears throat> lecturing? Well, you know, it's funny. I guess probably my first experience is funny. Back in like English class, I remember we had to do a like a book report, you know. And so I brought my bass in, and I can talk about my bass because I didn't even need a script. I could just talk about it all day long because I know everything about it because it's it's my passion. Um, as I then had to later do book reports in high school and stuff, I found I was very comfortable getting up and just talking like we're doing here, just sort of orating and 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 of course. It, to talk about a topic you know about and you're passionate about, again, you don't really need a script. You kind of know the answers because you're, it's just part of who you are. Um, fast forward, you know, another 10, 15 years or whatever. I think probably where I got started was when we started doing um, clinics like base clinics, which were you know kind of popular uh, with the music manufacturers. I think the first one I did was actually for PV. Um, and then, you know, started doing more with Jackson guitars and Harky amplifiers and stuff. And that market is largely kind of dried up, um, because usually how that works is, is a, like a guitar center would, you know, buy, put in a big order for say a bunch of Jackson basses, Hey, spend $10,000 and you get rockstar David Ellison gets to come in your store. You know, so there's sort of, it's incentivized, um, mm -hmm. and that <clears throat> has largely dried up. So, um, it's funny in 2018, uh, Tom Hazart and I, we put together a platform called Base Story, and it was based on uh, our friend Ryan Downey, who manages uh, Demon Hunter, as well as an industry friend of ours. He called me one day and said, hey, I got a promoter wants to bring you to Australia 
to do a spoken word tour for my book that I just put out, uh, My Life with Death, my first memoir. And I went, spoken word? Isn't that like, remember that Mike Myers, did, uh, what was that? The, uh, his character? Mike Myers had that one movie, like, not Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but like, uh, yeah, his mom, the one where he, he uh, <laughs> two heads in a double bag. Is that what it is? Something like, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember, there's like, it's such <laughs> a spoken word, you know, and he's woman. Whoa, yeah, man. yeah. Right? He's doing that whole, I think like, that, how am I going to do that? You know? So I yeah. thought, well, look, I, I, I can get through almost anything if I got my base with me. So I'm bringing my base. So I kind of combined a bit of a clinic with uh, like what we're doing here, a little Q&A. And I, I honestly, I was just making it up as I went. I'm like, well, I said, yes. So I'm going. <laughs> so let me, and um, so I kind of combined a clinic, a, a Q&A, a thing, right? And, um, and so Bay Story in 2018 was basically that same thing, except what we decided was let's take it out into the nightclubs. You know, let's take it out into cool. clubs. Have some of the, maybe a couple of our EMP label group bands uh, go out as the sort of backing band, support band. And then we just tore it up into a, into a rock concert. I initially kind of talked, played a couple like MP3 tracks, and then I had the band come up and we finished the night with a bunch of crowd favorites. And ultimately that's how my Ellison band formed. One night I, I, I said, hey, I want to play a couple songs. And Tom said, hey, I know the words, so I brought Tom up. And essentially that's how this whole thing developed into this new cover record. Um, so, you know, it's funny how when you just say yes to things, uh, even if it's going to Australia, you know, to do God knows what, um, you just kind of make it up and it, and it, and it happens. And, and Berkeley college, uh, has hired me in to do stuff, um, there. And, uh, probably my first kind of book thing I did, I I wrote a music business, kind of a how-to book called making music, your business back in, Mm. it published in 1997. I wrote it when we were on the Megadeth, uh, euthanasia tour. And it was just sort of a cliff notes version of like, Here's what your attorney does. Here's what a manager does. Here's what a record contract is. Blah blah blah. Kind of just going through this, the, everything in, a, in a, kind of a year of year of my life in, in, a, in a tour album in a tour cycle. And um, you know, at that time, there were no music business classes in any colleges. Um, no YouTube. There's nothing. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah, yeah. I've been told my book is used in a lot of colleges as a sort of as a go to manual. Uh, me and Donald Passman, who's a lawyer who wrote a great book on music business. So um, I got hired in by the learning annex up in uh, San Francisco. They brought me up there to uh, to do, again, kind of a spoken word. <laughs> again, what is this? I don't know. We'll make it up, you know. And it was kind of a Q&A, and it was just, and then so I just started, again, kind of talking. And again, I had the book, so I knew all the answers because uh, I'd written it. So I, it, it was one of those things where, again, I think when it's a topic you're passionate about, it's a, it's a topic you're familiar with. You don't have to sit and fumble through notes. You just can kind of, at least for I can, I, I feel comfortable just kind of going off the cuff. You know? um, so that's kind of the long answer to your question. It's <laughs> um, a great answer. Here, I, I'm yeah. super curious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I also have one picture in my mind and I know it's not this at all, but I imagine you walking on stage full with the bass, just like strapped around as like the safety uh, comfort is like, I'm going to talk, <laughs> but if I get caught up, I'm just going to play a riff. You know? As a professor, yeah. you know, it's funny. We did a Megadeth <laughs> super collider and I'm by, I am the, prof- I'm like the math, the chemistry professor, right? My, I get yeah, yeah. all geeked up. You know, my glass. I funny, I look like my 
dad, because my dad kind of had that look, wore like a you know suit jacket and a tie, and I've got the glasses. I'm like, oh my god, I become my dad, you know? And uh, yeah, so walking out like that guy, but with a bass, just yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it wouldn't, it would not be far fetched to see a college offer a course in basically music of Megadeth for policy uh, students or someone who's like trying to find out like about because you guys are so topical on everything from you know nuclear arms to what's going on. It would make sense to have that as a political science class. Well, you know, it's funny. You're not far off because at Berkeley College, they actually have a Megadeth ensemble, and it is a semester course you can take. And there's a, band, there's a, a group. Um, it's actually one of, the, one, of the, one of the deans. His son is a bass player and a huge Megadeth fan, so he basically got the approval to have a whole uh, Megadeth ensemble where they basically go in and they rip apart songs, how we played them, the theory behind them and everything. And I actually, I took, um, I took Megadeth over there, Dave, and this was when Chris Adler was playing with us and the Boston Globe came over and did a story on it. And uh, we're sitting there as like, I mean, we're like the voice, right? Imagine American Idol. <laughs> we're sitting there in the college as they're playing Tornado of Souls and, I got up and jumped in and played and, you know, it's like how to play bass with a pick. And of course, Mar you know, Kiko's dissecting the Marty Friedman solo and the sort of chord changes and the theory behind it, you know? So we're already partway there. So you're right. Yeah. If we could bring in sort of the, uh, I mean, the I political would... side of it, we'd have a win. Oh well, yeah. If they yeah. had a course on uh, nuclear proliferation, you could play rust and peace and just break that down <laughs> song by song and how we got to this place. Get that over to Harvard a couple blocks over and we'd be <laughs> right. Right, right. Hey, <laughs> uh, while we're talking about uh, ensembles, are you and Frank ever going to get together and, and, and follow up what you did with uh, uh, Attitudes and Altitudes? I think so. You know, we, it's funny, that record was such a labor of love. And uh, again, talk about kind of becoming one voice, uh, the two of us um, mm -hmm. on that record. It's just such a great season of our lives to do that. Um, and we talked about, you know, obviously schedules provided and this year provided an even greater obstacle of just being able to be together because that's a record we do in the room. Me and Frank don't send files around on the Internet. Um, and I'm lucky on this no cover record. We could do that and it worked really well. But what me and Frank do is not that it's very much guys in a room with our producer, Jay Rustin, who does the Anthrax records and stuff. Um, and really vibing, you know, with that. Um, so our plan is, is that at least put up another one or two songs, just kind of randomly as we go, just put them up digitally. Um, mm -hmm. So we don't have to go through the whole undertaking of, I mean, it took us four years to <laughs> get that record out because wow. we would get together in LA and we would do three songs at a time. And, um, you know, so every, I don't know, four or five months we'd get together. That's why it took so long to do it. Um, and it's, it's actually kind of astonishing. It has a consistency to it because a record that's recorded over that amount of time sometimes wouldn't, you know, it would be yeah. a broad in the material that was brought in, but somehow we kept it pretty focused. And yeah. Fantastic. Uh, well, listen, we have now taken more of a time than, than, than you and then uh, then we uh, were listening. We're again, thankful. And for we were contracted allowed. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't know. No, just let, taking let, a note right from the book. No, well, they, I like they, your sign in the back. Steal like an artist. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny, you know, Nick Menza's dad, Don Menza, um, is still with us. And he was a uh, is a renowned uh, woodwind player, played first chair with Buddy Rich and Louis Belson and and. Um, 
And, uh, you know, Nick would always say that he goes, man, my dad always said, he goes, you know, great artists never borrow, they steal. <laughs> and uh, I think it was kind of a jazz adage, you know, the jazz guys had a lot of good ones. Like you're only as good as your last gig, you know, uh, you know, those <laughs> yeah. kind of things. So when I saw your little sign back there, I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. It's a good go. book too if you want if you want to yeah. check it out. Yeah, I, that looks like a good one. Let me write that one down here. Yeah, <laughs> good. You know, well, the beauty of it is now I can just write. I don't even need to write it down. He's going Amazon right when this, yeah. this, this there order you go. will be here like by midnight. You know <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, guys, everyone, uh, Dave, thank you so much. Everyone out there listening, make sure and check out the Ellison No cover record and actually check out his new book, Rockstar Hitman. It's the first of uh, many coming in that series. And obviously, uh, look forward to the new Megadeth stuff in 2021. And hopefully, they'll be back on the road at the maybe the end of the year if, if the world's... Well, look, we've got lines. festivals. We've got festivals for Europe in June. Um, oh, jeez. So, look, let's hope... <laughs> You know, yeah. let's hope this vaccine is, is uh, it's yeah. ambitious, but hey, I hope we do them, you know, and then, Absolutely. then metal two of the year uh, with Lamb of God, Trivium and Flames that kicks off uh, July and August. We just announced Rock and Rio for September next year. So, you know, Jeez. we're ambitiously nothing, optimistic. Nothing like 800,000 bazillions going crazy. So that's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, real quick. Uh, coffee company still going roast yeah. in peace and everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Ellisoncoffeeco.com is where everybody can order. And uh, in fact, we just rolled out a new uh, a new uh, roast for uh, for for Christmas. The combat napalm in the morning. Oh yeah, dark roast. Perfect. It's mostly French. yeah, mostly French with a little Guatemala That's in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, get the kids up. <laughs> They're gonna get up regardless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, ellisoncoffeeco.com and uh, probably if you order now, you probably won't get it for Christmas. Uh, you just with shipping. I think tomorrow's kind of the cutoff in order to get yeah. it in time for Christmas. But yeah, order it and you'll have it within days. So it's up and running, rocking. Fantastic. Well, Dave, yeah. once again, thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas. Likewise. Thank you for your time. And, and hopefully at some point we can do part two of this. Sounds great. Yep. All right. There'll be more As, to report, I'm sure, in a couple of months, you know, early absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, hey guys, uh, real quick uh, note. Uh, you guys all know that Shiprock 2021 is now Shiprock 2022, leaving January 22nd out of Galveston, Texas. So go to shiprock.com for all the information, details, and reservations for that. Thank you so much. And obviously everyone at Ask for Entertainment, our engineer, Jennifer Zito, our short show coordinator, Heather Smith, our producer, Al McManus. And none of this would be uh, possible without the Captain Alan Canning. So thank you, everyone. Rock hard, vacation harder, and have a very Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.